I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is the weekly briefing for the week ending January 7th. The Consumer Electronics Show has become something so much more than simply a trade show about the latest gadgets we might want to buy. CES is evolving towards being a sort of world's fair, showing us wonders of the future that no consumer will ever buy, ranging from AI-augmented farming equipment to autonomous delivery drones to quantum computers. Today, we'll be looking at some of the more revelatory events at CES 2022, often in the words of those who made the announcements, with a special focus on the automotive industry. First, a quick rundown of some of the articles we've recently run in EE Times. The trade war is still on, and the pandemic is still with us, and the world is still only just beginning to re-engineer supply chains. The U.S. remains intent on reshoring manufacturing capabilities, and one of the most ambitious examples of that is the new wafer fab that TSMC is building in Arizona. That project is very likely going to set up a culture clash, however. American semiconductor companies are notable for expecting their employees to put in long, hard hours, but TSMC is notorious for riding its workers even harder than that. Will that kind of management approach go over well with American employees? Read our article and watch the argument begin to play out in the comments section. Intel sold its NAND and SSD memory business to SK Hynix last year for roughly $9 billion, but the deal was structured to have stages. The two completed the first stage recently, a transaction that represents $7 billion worth of the $9 billion deal. Read about how that deal is still unfolding. There is no commercial point to fusion reactors if we have to put more energy into the system than we get out, and that's where the fusion industry still is today. That said, the industry keeps making encouraging advances. Many fusion reactors use superconducting magnets to create magnetic fields to contain plasmas. Those magnets have to be cryo-cooled, and that takes power. A company called Tokamak Energy has figured out a way to slash the power needed to run superconducting magnets. It's a little esoteric, to be sure, but a growing accumulation of Just such small steps are providing encouragement that fusion reactors might be practical in the foreseeable future. If you're on this podcast episode's webpage, there are links to these stories on your left. Otherwise, you can go straight to eetimes.com for these stories and others. If you don't get our daily newsletters, you can sign up to get periodical summaries of breaking news or news about specific subjects. There's a button on top of the page that says subscribe, and way down at the bottom, there's a tiny link of the page that says newsletters. You can sign up in either place. The Consumer Electronics Show has developed into an event like few others. Once upon a time, largely dedicated to consumer electronics, it has expanded to encompass so much more. CES has become a home for consumer-oriented industries that traditionally haven't actually sold any electronic equipment to their customers, such as cable TV. It has drawn in companies that were never really part of the electronics industry but are evolving to become part of it. A notable example is the automotive industry. We'll be talking about that soon. 
CES has similarly drawn in companies that were never really considered part of the electronics industry at all, but are evolving into it, but only qualify for CES if you adopt a very, very loose definition of consumer electronics. I'm thinking of things like automated farm equipment. And semiconductor manufacturers have been showing up for years. You can't make the definition of the phrase consumer electronics loose enough to include chip companies. And then there are the exhibits of technological marvels that are essentially laboratory curiosities. For the last few years, IBM has been bringing its massive, gleaming, cryo-cooled quantum computer to CES. Even though it's now a familiar sight, it still looks like a prop from a science fiction film about the distant future. Now, I suggested at the top of the show that CES has taken on some of the elements of classic world fairs. World fairs are events where corporate sponsors try to wow visitors with awe-inspiring imaginings of what the future might bring. Video conferencing systems that let you see your grandparents when you talk to them, or robotic servants, or flying cars. CES has become a large annual stage for the industry to wow the world with what's coming in terms of gadgets that might change our lives. It's all in the future, so every new doohickey has the potential to change the way we all live. And while some of those thingamajigs might actually succeed, some are inevitably doomed to languish in drawers or garages, while others might barely sell at all. And that's the thing about CES. It's become a forum for hyperbole and hucksterism. It's where industry executives go to establish their cred as visionaries and gush about how wonderful it will all be. And that's what this episode of the Weekly Briefing will be doing. We'll dip into some of the keynotes and presentations to get a sense, not of what will be, but what might be if the most fervent dreams of electronics industry execs come true. Now, one of the biggest dreams in recent years has been autonomous driving. This is Ali Khani, the VP and General Manager of NVIDIA's automotive business, in a video address that debuted at CES. I'm here to talk about autonomous vehicles. It's perhaps the most intense AI challenge, but it's also one with the greatest benefits to society. It will save lives, make roads less congested, and change the way billions of people move around the world. And this is Mary Barra, the CEO of GM. GM and Cruz are also pursuing the most comprehensive path to autonomous mobility in the industry, a journey that will accelerate as we transition to EVs. It's a journey that started in 2016 with the acquisition of Cruz, and then in 2017 when we introduced Super Cruise on the Cadillac brand, offering the industry's first true hands-free driver assistance technology. Cruise is on a distinct path to a fully autonomous future. Today, Cruise remains the only company able to conduct rides with passengers and without a driver in the city of San Francisco. Autonomous vehicles are already out on the roads, and it is true that they have worked remarkably well, until they didn't. Out on the road, they occasionally did things that ranged from puzzling to dangerous to fatal. Worse yet, nobody can really say why these things were happening. Regulatory agencies overseeing automotive safety are properly alarmed, and the automotive industry's reasonable response was to emphasize the development of driver-assist technologies and downplay the talk about autonomous driving, until they got to CES. 
NVIDIA, Ford, Intel, GM, Mercedes-Benz, and others reaffirmed their commitment to autonomous driving, albeit this time around stressing safety over and over. NVIDIA's Ali Khani talked about the company's machine learning system for autonomous driving, which consists of three functional elements, an AI-based software stack running in every individual vehicle, cloud servers, and a simulation environment. Here's Ali Khani again. This machine learning pipeline is never-ending. Autonomous driving software will need to continuously develop and improve. New data will be collected and synthetically generated. Models will be retrained in the data center, then validated in simulation before new software is ultimately updated for use on the road. We've created this end-to-end automotive platform and modules so that our partners can use exactly what they need to speed time to market and build a product that can stay true to their brand. We have some partners that just buy our chips and core operating system while developing their own software applications. Other partners like Mercedes-Benz rely on us across this entire stack, from our self-driving software running on NVIDIA Drive computers in each car, to training AI models in the cloud, synthetic data generation, vehicle validation, and testing of new features through simulation, which finally get pushed over the air into each Mercedes-Benz vehicle. Developing an autonomous vehicle requires an entirely new platform architecture and software development process. Both the hardware and software must be comprehensively tested and validated to ensure they can handle the harsh conditions of daily driving with the stringent safety and security needs of an automated vehicle. Connie went on to talk about NVIDIA's 8th generation automotive SoC, the Hyperion 8, a high-powered chip that supports a combination of sensors. He stressed it would provide the highest levels of safety and security. He said it'll go into production as early as this year. Um, That sounds like a hedge, meaning we might not see it until next year. Okay, there's Connie and NVIDIA. Here's GM's Mary Barra again. She makes a distinction between autonomous driving, vehicles driving themselves without a human at the wheel, and Super Cruise driver assist technology which includes vehicles driving themselves with a human at the wheel. GM's chip supplier, by the way, is Qualcomm. In addition to Cruise's leadership on full autonomous capability, GM is also working on advanced driver assistance technology with Super Cruise and Ultra Cruise. Super Cruise has resonated with our customers, with more than 85% of those who experienced the technology telling us they want it in their next vehicle. More than 10 million miles have been driven using Super Cruise, and that number grows every day. We'll have Super Cruise available on 22 models across our GM brands next year, and we'll add even more each year, ultimately making the technology available across the majority of our portfolio. There is a distinction, as Barra pointed out, between fully autonomous driving, a vehicle driving itself, and driver assist when a human must remain behind the wheel. This is basically the distinction between what's called level 4 and level 5 driving. But it remains unclear from a safety perspective if there's all that much of a difference between the two. Mobileye is a self-driving technology company owned by Intel. Its product line is called IQ. It sounds like the letters that stand for Intelligent Quotient, but it's spelled like the word I, implying a combination of machine vision and artificial intelligence. At CES, Mobileye announced its IQ Ultra, which it called an AV-on-chip, which it said is purpose-built for level 4 self-driving vehicles. Now, 
Mobileye made no direct statement saying any automotive company is going to be using the new IQ Ultra. That said, the company announced at the same time that it will be extending its decade-long collaboration with Ford. Now, we'll find out soon enough if Mobileye and Ford were signaling that the two are collaborating on Level 4 driving, or if we're just inferring that. The other big trend in automotive is electric vehicles. Here's NVIDIA's Connie again. The transportation industry is going through a rapid transformation. This change started with a move from internal combustion engines to electric motors. Electric vehicles are not just better for the environment. They fundamentally improve the driving experience for consumers. They drive more quietly, accelerate faster, and they will last longer. Over the course of the next several decades, we will see the majority of cars sold be electric. This transformation has given way to dozens of new energy vehicle startups. They have reimagined the car, starting with a new vehicle architecture based on programmable software-defined computers. I'm very pleased to announce that our Drive Hyperion platform has been adopted by leading new energy vehicle OEMs in the industry. Volvo-established Polestar is bringing a storied heritage of safe driving into the modern era with electric vehicles that emphasize the joy of driving. The upcoming Polestar 3 SUV features a centralized compute architecture powered by NVIDIA Drive. China, now the world's largest auto market, has also been very successful driving the transition to NEVs, with nearly 20% of all cars sold in China this past quarter being electric. We're really excited to work with the vast majority of the leading NEV companies in China, including NIO, Xpeng, Li Auto, R Auto, and SAIC's premium electric vehicle brand, IM. These new electric cars will get better and better over time with each over-the-air update. And once again, GM's CEO, Mary Barra. We made a crucial decision to invest in a dedicated all-electric vehicle platform that has scale and flexibility that's designed to provide GM's EV customers with longer range, faster charging times, at lower cost while providing our designers and engineers with the kind of freedom to create vehicles they previously could only dream about. And that's Altium, a revolutionary vehicle platform that can be used to make EVs ranging from compact crossovers to trucks to sports cars. Altium features a combination of groundbreaking battery architecture, electric propulsion systems, and a common high-energy chemistry-agnostic battery cell that will power an entire range of next-generation electric vehicles. The same hardware platform that created a super truck like the GMC Hummer EV will also create the stunning Cadillac Lyric, and soon, higher-volume entries across the globe, across the spectrum of GM brands that gets us even closer to our vision of a zero-emission and carbon-neutral future. The transition to electric vehicles seems to be accelerating pretty rapidly. There remain questions about the process. Battery technology is currently reliant on rare earth materials that are in short supply, and much of that supply is controlled by China, which has a thriving EV market at home to cater to. There is constant carping about the lack of recharging infrastructure so far, but that is getting built. The global automotive industry is committed to the transition. All of those caveats are going to be solved one way or another. As for the enabling technology, we've heard from NVIDIA. 
Qualcomm similarly has an automotive platform and a few key tier one customers. We've heard about Mobileye and its Aviana chip. Also in conjunction with CES, Infineon announced a microcontroller supporting driver assist technology and automotive artificial intelligence applications. NXP announced new, better versions of its radar processors. OnSemi teamed with a company called Emotion3D, which specializes in camera-based, automotive, in-cabin analysis software. The two announced a joint reference design for a driver and occupant monitoring system. That's a newer twist on monitoring systems in that it covers all vehicle passengers, not just the driver. That reference design includes Emotion 3D's software and OnSemi's image sensor. Finally, a company called Asina has introduced an inertial navigation technology for the automotive market. The company believes its systems will be unaffected by the different environmental conditions that can variously compromise cameras, LiDAR, and radar. After going virtual in 2021, CES organizers held a live event this year, but the pandemic that had seemed to be dwindling instead roared back. Exhibitors and attendees began to cancel, a few at a time and and then in a rush. Live photos at CES make the Las Vegas Convention Center look like a ghost town. A particularly polished and tastefully appointed ghost town, but a ghost town nonetheless. Some people are happy to see the end of live events. As one EE Times reader sniffed, he doesn't miss the $28 corn dogs and $7 Diet Cokes in the overpriced hotel rooms. Others argue there is plenty of value in live events. Some things do need to be seen and felt. Live conversations can be richer, and the serendipity of chance meetings can't be quantified. We've got a couple of op-eds on either side of that fence. Visit the website to check them out. That concludes this episode of The Weekly Briefing. Thank you for listening. The Weekly Briefing is available through the major podcast platforms, but if you go to our website at eetimes.com slash podcasts, You'll find a transcript along with direct links to the other stories we mentioned and other resources. The Weekly Briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McCray at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week.